Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Yeah. 
ויחול השמיים באורץ וכל צבאות. ויחל אלוהיקים בים השביעים, מלאכתו ישר עושו. וישבוץ בים השביעים, מכל מלאכתו אשר עושו. ויברך אלוהיקים, אסיו הם Ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-
Sing with songs and sip the wine. Our hearts. 
hearts are filled with love Where Mama Shabbos angels Forgive from up above Six Kiddushin is delicious Every Shabbat meal we eat is really quite nutritious Can I have some chicken served on Ima's special dishes? Soup and challah candlesticks Kiddushin is delicious When I was a little boy I felt really glad I looked forward to Shabbat meals Cause every one I had Would be a great experience And put me in the know Listen to the singing And you think you're at a show You know, we're not singing it in the right order, which is candlesticks, kiddush, challah, and soup. But then the song wouldn't work now, would it? So look forward to the Sabbath each and every day, because observing it real well can help Mashiach come our way. Take the day for resting and it will improve your life. Um, for example... Yes? Shabbat really changed my world. For my kids and my wife, it's great for me and you. Soup and challah candlesticks, Kiddushin is delicious. 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 Hi, my name is Yussel. Let me tell you about my town. It's filled with all these posters, not a blank wall to be found. It's a really quiet village, at least in terms of sound. But if all this print could speak, we'd be the loudest one around. The signs say Pesach in Miami, the hotel's on the beach, the bus to Keverachel, with of course those separate seats. Rebbe's son's chassan Have you seen his new stry mill? These are signs you'll see In our town of Pashkville Now it's not such a bother It's really not a fuss It gives me what to read While I'm waiting for my bus But one thing gets me worried It seems it's finally come to be all these printed papers But we're running out of trees Have your name said by the Kotel 40 days non-stop And those gorgeous stunning shadows Already back in stock 
rumors all next Thursday. Did you get in your lesson? And every dollar that you donate, a noted donor pledged to match. comes to be that you put your thoughts on paper for everyone to see what you write may all be true on every single page but on the postboards of Shemayim the paper's up in flames so buy the yeshiva raffle tickets the Chinese auction prize for the greatest moistness up your time One thing we won't tolerate Not now, no, never will Is a word of lush and horror In our town of Pashkaville J.M. and the A.M., someone pointed out the uh, <laughs> how brilliant that song is. Uh, comes from Duvadil, the town of Pashkaville. Brand new here at J.M. and the A.M. Um, Soup and Challah, that was from Schlockrock. We'll dedicate that to uh, Yisrael Besser. His brand new book about Shabbos, or at least about the start of Shabbos. Go to artscroll.com, order the brand new book from Yisrael Besser, use promo code radio. Unbelievable book. Uh, Country I See in the Stiebelhoppers with seven Shabbos candles. We'll dedicate that to Yisrael Besser as well, since we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about candle lighting. Uh, Baruch Levine's uh, Anim Zmiros. You heard Kiddish and Nishmas from Yehuda Green. Pure Soul had Modim. And, of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on the 17th of June, day number 18 in the month of Sivan, the year 5782, Tufshin Pei Bay, Zerub Shabbos Parshas Baaloscha outside of Israel. Maybe that's, um, maybe that's symbolic, that Parsha Shlach, which, of course, is such a vital Parsha when it comes to the uh, history of the Jewish people with the land of Israel, is being read in Israel this Shabbos. But we, in the diaspora, we're not on the same page. We're reading Baha'u'llah. Um, anyway, this, this, I don't want to call it a pet peeve. I think that minimizes just how, how challenging a situation it is. Challenging is not really the right word, but 
So I don't want to use the word pet peeve. Um, I think it's more than that, but um, I think it's significant, significant when we think of uh, not being in the diaspora where they are in Israel regarding Parsha Sashavua, the Torah portion of the week. But anyway, it is Erev Shabbos Parsha's Balos. So that's where we're going to be reading in the diaspora. Candle lighting at 8.09, 8.09, your candle lighting time. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 8.09, candle lighting time. A lot of synagogues begin early. And obviously, different neighborhoods and communities around the world have a different candle lighting time. But New York, we're calling the New York area for 809. Yesterday, uh, not not yesterday, but last week, I made an issue about whether we, we should continue to announce candle lighting time in the New York area when we have listeners now in so many different places. My gosh, thank God. And the uh, consensus was, yes, Nahum, you must continue to announce candle lighting in new york do it the way you're doing it i said okay no problem that's exactly what we'll do uh listener judy wishes me a happy father's day and i'm going to take this opportunity to wish everybody a happy father's day all the dads out there happy father's day from all of us here at jm and the am sundays being observed as father's day in this country so again happy father's day um to all the dads out there from all of us here at JMNAM. And for the dads that are convincing their children to listen to JMNAM every day at the Nahum Siegel Network, an extra special happy Father's Day to you. Speaking of the Nahum Siegel Network, don't forget, we've got Mark Zamek and the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern time. That'll happen at 10 o'clock, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Keep that in mind, everybody. Uh, listener Morris says, good morning, Nahum. Wow, what a way to start a show and get ready for Shabbos. Yehuda Green is so amazing. He certainly is. May everyone have the sweetest, most special Shabbos ever, only 14 hours away. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're getting closer and closer. Although during the winter, the countdown is much shorter. I'll tell you that much. Uh, let's see. Trucker Yitz says, Arab Shabbos Kodesh, Lail Shishi Chalant was so delicious. Looking forward to Shabbos Chalant. Nice. Trucker Yitz is amazing. And listener Chaya says, Shabbat Shalom, you all. Thank you, Chaya. Shabbat Shalom to everybody out there around the world. And thanks for listening in to a JM in the AM broadcast. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's with us an hour from now here at JM in the AM with a weekly update. <sighs> Lots of news to discuss, and we'll get to all that with uh, Malcolm Holmline. Rabbi Yudin will speak about Parshas Baloscha. Harry Rothenberg in the 7 o'clock hour on Parshas Baloscha. And uh, we'll close things out at 9 o'clock and uh, get things going on the Nahum Siegel Network, as we said, with amazing programming all day long. Friday is another one of those days where there's just no reason to touch that dial. No reason whatsoever. A great weekend programming. Avrami with Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night with Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Thank you, Matis. It's pretty amazing that you're able to do that show live every single week. We don't minimize that incredible effort. Thank you, thank you. And thank you. Monday we're back, and the Dan Grunfeld's going to join us. Got a brand new book, and um, he'll join us on Monday here at JM in the AM. And speaking of brand new books, keep in mind what I said: the uh, brand new one from uh, Yisrael Besser. We had an opportunity to speak with him yesterday. It is a, um, I think, a game changer. It's called Exalted Moments: Welcoming Shabbos Stories, Inspiration, and Insights. Uh, if I were you, I'd go to artscroll.com and make sure to order it. Exalted Moments. When you order it, make sure to use promo code RADIO. Oh, and I got a note from Aaron down at Artscroll. 
I wanted to, uh, let's see here. Give me a second. Yeah, he reminds me that there's a 20% off sale in June on over 3,000 titles. That goes till June the 27th. The only place to get the free shipping and no minimum on top of the sale is with promo code radio. So keep that in mind. If you want to order the brand new book from Israel Besser or anything at artscroll.com, the only way to get all those discounts and free shipping is by uh, tossing in the um, promo code radio. Promo code radio. All right. Um, more coming up at JM in the AM. Here's brand new music from Shlomo Lippman. Shit, <laughs>
Baby, 
RJ2 with Shea Vo here at JM in the AM. You heard brand new Simcha Liner and Milmala. Svi, that was uh, Abish Brot. Zusha had Koz Yeshuos. Shlomo Lipman brand new with Kan Itcha. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSigl.com and the NachumSigl Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. RJ2 at JM in the AM. We'll uh, do our news from Israel. We've got Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio newscast or uh, station in the background. The newscast coming up in just a second. Candle lighting at 8.09 in the New York area. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. If you need to know candle lighting time in East, Sprouse, in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, Trucker Yitz just posted it in our app. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see that in the comment section. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there as we get ready to celebrate on Sunday. Uh, those of you who have not yet gone to artscroll.com to pick up the brand new book by Yisrael Besser, Exalted Moments. It's an amazing book about the beginning of Shabbos and all the things we do tonight, starting with the uh, candle lighting and uh, through Kiddush. It's hard to believe what is packed into those few minutes of the beginning of Shabbos. If you didn't miss, uh, if you didn't hear the conversation yesterday, if you missed it, make sure to check out the archive. It was really nice. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Galay Tzal, Bloch, התראת צבע אדום הופעלה לפני זמן קצר ביישומון פיקוד העורף ביחס לשטח פתוח בעוטף הזעה. כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון דורון קדוש מוסר כי ההתראה הופעלה כתוצאה מירי הרחקה שביצעו כוחות צהל. בעקבות ההתקלות הלילה בג'נין, אבו מאזן מאשים את ממשלת ישראל בהסלמה. בהודעת ראש הרשות הפלסטינית נמסר כי הרג שלושת המחבלים הוא פשע מתועב לשון ההודעה, וזוהי התגובה הישראלית לבקשת הבית הלבן ליזום רגיעה באזור לקראת ביקור נשיא ארצות הברית ג'ו ביידן. כך מוסר כתבנו לענייני ערבים ג'קי חוגי. מוקדם יותר היום הודתה הזרוע הצבאית של חמאס כי מפקד חוליית שלושת המחבלים שנהרגו מאש צה"ל הוא אחד מאנשיה והשניים האחרים הם מאבטחיו. שלושת המחבלים נהרגו הלילה במהלך פעילות של לוחמי גולני לאיתור אמצעי לחימה בעיר ג'נין. במהלך הפעילות נפתחה אש מתוך רכב לעבר הכוחות והלוחמים הגיבו בירי. לא היו נפגעים מקרב חיילי צה"ל. 
שני תושבי שכונת עיסאוויה בירושלים נאשמים בגרימת חבלה בכוונה מחמירה ובגנבת נשק, לאחר שתקפו בשבוע שעבר שוטר מג"ב שלא היה בתפקיד. על פי כתב האישום, בשבוע שעבר נכנסו שני שוטרי מג"ב לשכונת עיסאוויה, ואחד מהם ירה באקדחו. שני החשודים ששמעו את הירי עקבו אחר רכבם של השוטרים, הם נאספו, נאספו סביב הרכב יחד עם אחרים ויידו לעברו אבנים. בתיעוד האירוע שהופץ ברשתות החברתיות, נראים התוקפים כשהם מוציאים את השוטר מהרכב ומכים בו. כתבנו אביתר בר-און מוסר כי הפרקליטות מבקשת מבית המשפט לעצור את הנאשמים עד תום ההליכים נגדם. לקראת פסגת מנהיגי האיחוד האירופי שתיערך בשבוע הבא, הנציבות האירופית מציעה להעניק לאוקראינה מעמד של מועמדת לחברות באיחוד. נשיאת הנציבות אורסולה פונדרליין מסרה כי אוקראינה הוכיחה בבירור את שאיפותיה ואת נחישותה לפעול בהתאם לערכים האירופיים. כתבת חדשות החוץ עומר עזרן מעדכנת כי בעוד שחלק ממדינות האיחוד האירופי מתנגדות להוספת מדינות חדשות לאיחוד, נשיא אוקראינה זלנסקי זכה אתמול לתמיכת מנהיגי צרפת, גרמניה, איטליה ורומניה שהגיעו לביקור בקייב. שרת הפנים של בריטניה אישרה את הסגרתו לארצות הברית של ג'וליאן אסאנג', העיתונאי האוסטרלי מייסד ויקיליקס, שהדליף מסמכים דיפלומטיים מסווגים ומסמכים סודיים של צבא ארצות הברית. אסאנג', המואשם בריגול בארצות הברית, קיבל מחסה בשגרירות אקוודור בלונדון במשך מספר שנים, עד שנעצר בידי משטרת בריטניה בשנת 2019. כתבת חדשות החוץ עומר עזרן מציינת כי אסאנג' יוכל לערער על החלטת ההסגרה לבית המשפט העליון של הממלכה המאוחדת. ומזג האוויר היום חם מהרגיל לעונה, מחר צפויה התקררות וביום ראשון ירידה נוספת בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שערכה ענבל אלבז.
a world out there And you're scared sometimes So I'll hold your hand Hold on to mine There's a path I take Where it turns out fine When you walk this road You can go while you are blind Cause even in the darkness We can turn to him for light Like a star that's always out there Shining through the night oh, oh, oh. So we'll hold We'll hold on tight To this roller coaster we call life And we'll set our sights And we'll set our sights on you Try to always do it 
Jam in the AM with Mordechai Shapiro. The song is called Roller Coaster off the brand new album entitled uh, Achas here at JM in the AM. Uh, Mordechai Shapiro in concert this coming Monday night in Brooklyn, New York. Lots of people talking about that show, and for good reason. It's going to be high energy, I am sure, to say the least. Uh, before that, you heard uh, the Solomon Brothers with the Nigun, as it's named. <laughs> or as it's known, I should say. The Nigun here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Father's Day being observed in this country on a Sunday. So we say happy Father's Day. Uh, also, uh, as uh, many of you are aware, not just from me harping on it, but are aware in general, we are one parsha off from uh, Israel, which means in Israel this week they're reading Shlach. We in the diaspora are reading Bahaloscha. Um, anyway, with that in mind, Harry Rothenberg has some words about Parshas Bahalos, which we'll get to in just a second. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Harry Rothenberg, as I said, with words about Parshas Bahalos on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Here he is at JM in the AM. There's a very unusual passage in this week's Parsha. The phrase B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, appears five times in the same passage. It could have just said children of Israel and then referred to them as them, they. No, it's repeated five times. Rashi in his commentary jumps right on this. He says, you know why? Because God is showing just how much he loves the Jewish people. He mentions them five times, corresponding to the five books of the Torah. Beautiful. There's only one problem. It's such a weird place to mention it because it's mentioned in the passage when the Levium, the Levites, are being appointed to serve in the temple. And the firstborn sons from the other tribes are getting downgraded. They were supposed to serve, but they lost the right because they participated in the sin of the golden calf. So now, when you're appointing the Levites, that's the place that God chooses to tell all the Jews, I love you all. Very strange. But it isn't strange at all. That's why he puts it there because maybe he's worried. I'm appointing the Levium, and I'm downgrading the firstborn sons. The firstborn sons may be upset, they may be jealous. All the other tribes may be upset. They would have had members of their tribe, the firstborn sons, serving in the temple, and now they're not gonna have any. It's gonna be only the tribe of Levi that's gonna serve in the temple. So God picks that point in time to tell everybody, don't get upset, don't be jealous. I love you all, I'm crazy about you all. I'm comparing you to five books of the Torah. And it's such a powerful lesson for us when you're doling out compliments, which you should, or giving gifts to an individual among a group. Be careful not to insult. Be careful not to create any jealous feelings, any ill will among the other people who aren't getting that compliment or that gift. My youngest sons, my twin boys were about four years old and it was snowing and it was Shabbos. So they're looking outside during the Shabbos meal and they keep asking me over and over again, can we go outside and play in the snow? I said, after the meal. 10 minutes later, can we go outside? After the meal, finally we get the dessert. Can we go outside? I said, you're gonna miss dessert. We don't care, fine, you don't mind missing dessert. Put your coats and boots on, you can go outside. All of a sudden, my next older son was about eight at the time, yells, no, you can't let them go outside. I said, why? Is there a bear in the backyard? He says, no, they're gonna ruin all the snow. So my first reaction or first inclination was to say to him, will you cut it out? Grow up, are you kidding me? Let them go play in the snow. I said to myself, let me grow up. He's eight. He's still young enough to enjoy playing in the snow. So I said, you know what? You're right. I called my twins back in. I said, guys, when you go outside, only the backyard. Do not set foot 
on the side yard. Side yard goes to him and pointed to the next older son. At which point the next older son, of course, had to get in the act. He was around 12 at the time. And I assume he was joking, but you never know. He said, hey, what about me? I said, you, you get the front yard. The point is you have to be so careful when you're complimenting, when you're giving gifts, when you're giving out benefits, whether it's to your kids or to friends or to employees. Of course, compliment, give gifts, but be careful, don't insult, don't create any feelings of jealousy. Make sure everybody else in the group knows you love them too. Shalom, I'll tell you 
JM in the AM with Eitan Katz, Me'en Olam Haba. Yoni Z before that with Bowie. You're listening to a Friday morning Erev Shabbos broadcast at JM in the AM. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Great to have you aboard. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Baaloscha outside of Israel. They'll read Shlach in Israel. Candle lighting 809 here in New York. 809, make sure you know when things start where you are. Um, a lot of synagogues begin early. Obviously, different candle lighting times around the world. 809 for New York. And again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. will join us about 15 minutes from now with the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Great programming all day. Don't forget, Kedem presents the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Kedem presents the Erev Shabbos music mix all day long. There is no reason to touch that dial. Just keep it here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Tomorrow night, it's Avrami with Saturday Night Siegel with Harvey Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's Matis and JM Sunday live at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Thank you, Matis. I don't know how he does it every Sunday. Amazing. Really amazing. Kalekavod. Uh, listener Sina apparently has sent us a note. The rumor is that she is um, supposed to be in New York right now, but is still in Florida. I think I have that right. right? Is it the reverse? No, I think that's right. Um, so we're wishing her the best of luck in getting to the New York area before Shabbat, which I know is her goal. <laughs> and we will, uh, we, will, we will continue to hope that she's able to do that, that's for sure. <laughs> These flights are being canceled or delayed right and left, to say the least. Anyway, Mazel Tov, she says, to my amazing grandchildren, Shandy and Shmuley Deitch, who are celebrating anniversary number one today. Who would have thought one year ago today you'd be living in Miami Beach? It's so special having you so close by, and it's always a treat to spend Shabbos with you. Wishing you a very happy anniversary and many more in good health till 120 with much love from Bubs. And we know her, of course, as listener Cena down in the Sunshine State. More coming up Friday, JM in the AM. Shabbat Shalom, Mina. 
J.M. in the A.M. with Yaakov Shweki. That is a uh, Bush Shabbos uh, selection here at J.M. in the A.M. and a good one. That is a good one. Um, before that, we had the Avi Hess uh, Kalbach Lechadodi here at J.M. in the A.M. By the way, I wanted to mention that um, many of you, I'm sure, were tuned in when Lee Zeldin was with us live via telephone last week. He is running for governor in the state of New York. We have a lot of New York State uh, uh, people, a lot of, a lot of New York State registered voters listening into our broadcast right now. In addition to a lot of the uh, Jewish news sources, uh, newspapers, etc., endorsing him for governor this morning in, I mean, I've seen endorsement announcements in the past, but this one, my gosh, the New York Post just went all in <laughs> and over the top. Um the front, the first part, the top part of the New York Post uh, uh, front page this morning. No justice. Soft on crime outrages leave women leave woman assaulted in New York City and two cops dead in California. And of course, they mention Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, and the George Cascone, the Los Angeles DA. And then the second part, the bottom part of the New York Post front page says, which is why the Post endorses Lee Zeldin, Republican candidate for governor, to fix New York. So, Lee, congratulations to you. It's a big endorsement. And as we know, there are you know, a lot of good candidates out there on the Republican side. Some might argue there's some good candidates on the Democratic side as well. Uh, but um, Lee Zeldin has picked up a very important endorsement. And uh, he's been an amazing friend of this show for a long time. So we're wishing him the best of luck. May the best person win, obviously, and, you know, we get it that uh, there are some uh, good people out there running, but he has, uh, he's been especially especially effective um, for our community and for New York in his current role, and um, it would be it would be amazing if he became governor of New York. At least that's the way it seems. Anyway, that's the New York Post... Uh, Front, literally front page story this morning <laughs> here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honeline coming up and plenty more. Thanks for uh, tuning in to a Friday morning broadcast. Candlelighting 809 officially in New York. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN Malcolm Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Take a 10% discount with promo code radio. And try A&H today. And A&H wishes all the graduates and all the dads out there a, uh, a Mazel Tov and graduation for all the grads and a happy Father's Day for all the dads. And enjoy all the grilling that's going to be going on this Sunday with A&H hot dogs, no matter where you might be. More coming up. Malcolm Holmline on the way and much more at JM in the AM. <laughs> Shabbos, ne'e kabla, 
Zusha with Lachad Odi. I want to thank my friends at the JewishWorldReview.com and remind everybody that if you want um, access to thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos to print out and then peruse over Shabbos and the weekend, uh, go to JewishWorldReview.com. They're an amazing resource. They've got plenty of material, and you'll find a whole bunch of stuff that you'll enjoy going through. A real educational experience, and now with the long Shabbos, gives everyone even more of an opportunity. With the long Friday, you have more of an opportunity to print stuff out. With the long Shabbos, you have more of an opportunity to read it. Anyway, go to Jewish World Review and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays. Uh, here for the weekly update at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you. Um, it's really good to be with you again. Appreciate that. Being traveling. Yeah, so I, I mentioned on the air that you were traveling last week in, in you know, some pretty interesting places. I don't know if you're able to share any of that with us or not. Is this uh, one of those secret missions or something that you could uh, review for us on the air? Well, there are things that I can certainly review. Um, I mean, some of it I won't, but the, the uh, some very interesting things that I I participated. I was at the Aladdin Project, which was a very high level gathering of leaders, international leaders, and it began as a project to introduce Holocaust education in the in schools in the Arab world. And King uh, Mohammed VI of Morocco was a big endorser of it, and uh, he invited me to this uh, to the conference. Um, where you had a lot of leaders from the Arab world and from other countries. I mean, the subject matter is much broader now on human rights and many other issues. Uh, there were some negative comments by people on on, on Israel, just two, one a Palestinian and one an, a, a, an American Jewish journalist. Um, well, I should say journalist who claims it to be of Jewish origin. And um, But it's very interesting to see uh, the focus of people because of the follow-up. Uh, I was at a conference in Rabat uh, and spoken, got awarded the Jews in Africa conference where uh, people were brought together by uh, ASF and, and, and an organization that we uh, helped from its very beginning of Moroccan young people who wanted to uh, reestablish and remember the Jewish heritage uh, in Morocco, and it's now become a major player in civil society. But they also, they had leaders from Africa, from all over, talking about the, the history of Jews in Africa, something people know very little about. But all over Africa today, there are movements and groups, some of them without any historical antecedent, some of them with very strong historical claims um, about their being uh, part of Jewish history. Uh, Jews live in Africa, we believe, for 2,000 years after the Chorbet Mayas Rishon, that after the first destruction of the First Temple, Jews were scattered around the Mediterranean. When Jews came back from Babylonia, some went to to Africa, um, they say, and oh, many other historical occasions, and uh, the destruction of the Second Temple, too. Jews you know, ended in places like Jerba, where you have had a continuous Jewish community in Tunisia, Morocco, they certainly claim people think that the Berbers may have been of Jewish origin. Uh, a lot of this is still speculative, but I just think it's a fascinating thing that, that people wanted to be identified 
with the Jewish community, as ministers from Cape Verde, from Tunisia, from many other countries, uh, speaking about this um, this phenomenon. So it was very interesting. Look, the situation in in a lot of uh, North Africa is very unstable, as it is everywhere else. The economic conditions, the war in Ukraine, cutting off food supplies, the rise of prices are going to destabilize a lot of uh, the regimes if emergency measures aren't taken. Countries like Egypt, which depend on 70%, I think, of their wheat and stuff from Russia and Ukraine. Uh, this has a profound impact. On the first... No, just on the first point, the human rights discussion, uh, Holocaust education implementation, etc. I mean, uh, some you know some people may cynically not think that this helps, uh, but I think I think sometimes we forget that if you know if incitement on the other side uh, ends up with people becoming you know violent against certain groups and certainly Jews, as we see uh, in certain parts of the world, uh, one has to assume that that dialogue and understanding between groups has to at least uh, you know um, serve as a uh, as a positive element um, in, in other words when you're sitting there my the point I'm trying to make is it, it's not a waste of time a lot of people think that these discussions are um, are, are moot points frankly and and not helpful but I think as time goes by we see that that there is some you know some there are significant results from them actually it's a very important point because I don't believe in every dialogue and there were people there that uh, were very hard to stomach, but the goal is to win over the other 80, 90% of the people, right. which is possible. And you had people from, keep people from Lebanon, from others, who turn out to be in quietly coming over and wanting to talk and being much more sympathetic and know about some of my moments and other things. And the, um, uh, there are a lot of people who can be influenced positively and when they see a yarmulke and, and a picture together with a yarmulke, along with all the world leaders and the pictures that went out, in fact, it was a tweet yesterday that came out of Lebanon, which says, this is what drives Hezbollah crazy. And it showed the, the Lebanese official with me, <laughs> I mean, just standing there. And the and somebody just snapped the picture. and not supposed to do it without permission, but they did. But it, it, it was meant to stick it to Hezbollah. Right. That, and, and, I have seen repeatedly the good that can come out of these things, although I admit that I'm a skeptic and I, I go to it with, I hope, open eyes. Uh, but I also see, I've seen the results over the years of our outreach. If you remember 25, 30 years ago when I started the outreach to the Gulf, people were very critical and you know very uh, skeptical, I should say. And I remember you heard some of it. Yep. Um, and you see the results today. Now nobody thinks that it was crazy and, and, uh, and wrong. But the dialogue that was started then contributed directly to what the things that, that followed. Yeah, it may drive the King of Jordan crazy, but, uh, but it, certainly, <laughs> it, it, it certainly has yielded some positive results, that's for sure. And, and there's more going on that people know. And, and again, it's against the forces, the Iranian forces, Hezbollah, Hamas, and all of their backers, and other forces, the Islamists, the ISIS, uh, forces who, if if no support is shown to the the stable guys and to somebody like King Mohammed VI, who's done such amazing things, restoring 167 Jewish cemeteries at his cost, uh, restoring Jewish synagogues, in, introducing uh, the education, changing the educational curriculum. Sisi did it in Italy, in in Egypt. 
they, in, in Saudi Arabia, UAE, Bahrain, they've all changed their textbooks. The Palestinian Authority changed their textbooks so they made them worse and more anti-Semitic. <laughs> right. But not a joke, seriously. Yeah, I know. That, but, but these others, now when you have Holocaust days and, and people could say, well, the Holocaust is easy. The fact is that once you start breaking down some of the uh, people who were saying uh, it was widespread belief that Holocaust was exaggerated, Holocaust denial. Now you have Holocaust commemorations in all these countries. It begins to change the dialogue. It begins to change the atmosphere. It's going to take many years. You can't uproot decades of hatred, incitement, indoctrination uh, overnight. But the change is very clear. Uh, all right, let's get to what everyone's curious about. And uh, maybe this is a question I should ask uh, either Edith Silman or Nir Orbach, but uh, is there going to be an Israeli election on October the 25th? What could you tell us about the teetering Israeli government? It's teetering. <laughs> and, uh, and and I think it's likely that we're going to, I don't know how long they can hang on. It wasn't all of their interest to sustain the government. But with the, the people peeling off one after another, and mostly from Yamina, from Bennett's own party, right. uh, that it, it's going to be hard to sustain. He, he is pressing them not to leave until, and not to bring the government down until at least Biden's visit, which will be in July. Um, they they want to at least have a, a viable government until that point. Uh, I don't know that that, that will hold. Obach is supposedly negotiating what we could for a position of, on the list, and um, you know the others, the vultures will all circle now uh, from outside and inside the government. So Bennett doesn't really have a firm hold, even on his own coalition, uh, to sustain. So we'll have to see. But each day, the government seems to get somewhat weaker, and um, you know Biden is supposedly to bring a plan to bring. Israel and Saudi Arabia closer together, and other Arab neighbors. They they, they uh, are planning visit to to um, to meet with Abbas also in Ramallah and and uh, visit to Saudi Arabia. Uh, the situation, of course, uh, the PA is also very unstable. Hamas has been uncovered in various plots over the last week to try and take the uh, over the West Bank, and of course, always are challenging uh, the PA. So the president's going to come into rather unstable situation, and obviously he's going to face a lot of criticism about his visit to Saudi Arabia because of his uh, comments about uh, K- uh, MBS and uh, others before, and calling pariahs, etc. Uh, I don't know whether he will negotiate the increased oil production, but I think that uh, Israel will figure centrally in, in his visit. Um, just procedurally back to the Israeli election for a second. So that, that vote of no confidence that's sort of scheduled for this coming Wednesday, is that still how it's going to work? That if that vote goes the way people expect, then the government will officially, um, lose its coalition and, um, Lapid will become prime minister or at least caretaker prime minister. And then the new election will be the first Tuesday after the Chagim, which is the 25th of October. Is that what we read earlier in the week? Is that still the accurate description? Still of how- on the table. Absolutely. But the uh, question of whether Lapid, uh, there will be various contestations about who takes over. But I think in the coalition agreement, it does give Lapid the the option to take over. Um, I don't know that he can sustain a government separate and apart. But the, uh, you know, the government, once the Knesset is dissolved, uh, the government is the most powerful government you can have because they they don't have to consult. They can make decisions. 
and take actions during the three months. Uh, I remember when Shamir took full advantage of it, and so did others, because they are able to make decisions and implement them. Without, what, taking it to a vote? No Knesset vote, nothing. Wow, interesting. Sort of like an executive order. Exactly. Very well. Um, and, and Saudi Arabia, did they ever consider uninviting the president or not accepting his desire to come? Like, I get it that, you know, that he's made a decision to come despite his uh, objections to them in the past and public statements he's made about them in the past. Were, were, were they leaning toward being insulted and not welcoming the president of the United States? They did refuse his phone calls a couple of weeks ago. But they're not telling him not to come. No, absolutely won't tell the president of the United States not to come. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of work was done before the announcement uh, about what the the nature of the visit would be and that it won't be just a a Khashoggi-focused visit and that the United States now needs Saudi Arabia for a variety of reasons, but even inflation and threats of recession and the price of oil over five dollars uh, the um, uh, issues in the in the region the breakdown of the talks with Iran uh, many issues right now even though they're still trying to cover it up and and, uh, and not I think face the reality of what Iran has been up to and the some of the stuff that that you know we've seen uh, the removing of the cameras and the challenges on the front I'm sure we can talk about that but I think for Saudis, uh, it will be very significant. And Saudi Arabia, even moving towards relations with Israel in a more formal sense, short of full recognition or something of that kind, um, it will be significant. Because remember, it's the home of Mecca Medina. It still has its unique status right. and would certainly boost the, the efforts of the Abraham Accords. Uh, before we get to Iran, the... Um, it- I, you've you've listed three places that uh, you are assuming or have confirmation or already has been reported in the news will be on the list of the president's itinerary, and that's Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the PA. Is, is it possible there'll be other places that he'll visit on that uh, journey? It's possible. I don't know how much, you know, how long he wants to uh, elongate the trip, Um you know, uh, so it's already scheduled it's for three, four days. Right? And right. So oh, that's a good point. The, these we know the visits that I mentioned are the ones that I know have been confirmed. Right. There was there was talk and speculation about another trip and maybe one in in June before, but uh, the timing of this uh, now is is for July, and those are the main countries. He, he, obviously, he's um, he will have encounters with others. The GCC. The Gulf Cooperation Council is supposed to meet in Saudi Arabia, and he would meet then with the heads of the other Gulf countries as part of this. Um, I think he would probably want an opportunity to see the King of Jordan, which could take place right. in the PA, uh, and even Sisi. By the way, for those for, for those who've been in Israel for U.S. presidential visits, it's happened to me a couple of times, probably happened to you a thousand times. That's going to be a big week. That's the week before Shavasar Batamas, and already people are telling me in the travel business that it is going to be packed with tourists from around the world, and especially the U.S. that week. So you may want to be careful where you're going because, I mean, you know what it's like, Malcolm. When they say total lockdown in the area of where the president is, they mean it. They don't, care if, people, they don't care if people don't move for hours. Yeah, but but uh, first of all, I think the visit will be very short, probably not more than a day, right. at least. And 
it it uh, it is a total lockdown, but they managed somehow eventually to get out. I wonder if they're going to take over. I mean, I assume they'll spend at least one night there. I wonder if they're going to take over, you know, a hotel or two because you know how hard that is when that happens. But but now these hotels, oh, I've seen it. I've been yeah, in hotels exactly. Where, where but now these hotels are going to be. But they kicked out a lot of people. They're going to be jam packed. They, uh, they're going to be jam packed that week. I don't know how they're going to. Absolutely. Unless people literally just go to a different city for the night, but it should be interesting. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. All right, before we talk about this story about the tunnel network, which is so scary and fascinating, and I'm I'm wondering if that's going to be behind the agenda of... uh, the president's meeting with Saudi Arabia. Let's just talk first about the um, two scientists who supposedly were killed with poison. In I, I assume they, they were killed in Iran itself, right? They were killed in Iran. Uh, the suspicion is that Israel was is responsible for it. Has Israel reacted uh, at all to the accusation? No, Israel has, has not. There's no claiming of credit for for the assassinations. Uh, there are some people who said that they were poisoned. There were people who said uh, other things. I mean, you know, there've been a series of um, accidents. accidents. <laughs> <laughs> but but when you see the defense ministry calls them martyrs, that's a designation that's usually given to people on important assignments. And um, the pictures they showed of them were in civilian clothes at the shrines and at other uh, places. So they're obviously trying to play down um, the role right. and the, the, um, the, you know, the, the retaliation uh, targeting Israeli civilians in Turkey uh, reflects the fact that Iran is trying to, to respond to it. Um, they made the accusation about the, about the poisoning, but nobody has proved anything. And these were uh, some of the attacks were uh, several weeks um, ago under very uh, unsure circumstances. Yeah. Um, so, and then you have the, in May, you know, the, the killing of um, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, we didn't talk about Khodayi, right. uh, as well as the earlier one. It's clear that these guys were developing weapons for Hezbollah and were um, uh, the, the, the fact that it took place in different locations and stuff and inside the country, obviously, um, at one point, they were saying it was a car accident because right. for them it's a humiliation each time these uh, incidents take place, and especially when it becomes public that they were, you know, interrogated. Even Israel interrogated some people they captured inside Tehran. So that's the research side. That's the scientific side. Israel or whoever is obviously taking care of business. I would assume, as you just described, that. They were probably in the top 10, if not the top five, of, of scientists in Iran working on the nuclear program. I'd have to assume Israel's not. And the other guy who was killed was, was the guy responsible for plotting a lot of the attacks on Israeli and Jewish targets abroad. Right. But this story, I, I don't know, frankly, when I read it this morning, it was frightening. Uh, I'll read the first paragraph in the New York Times. Israeli and American intelligence officials have been watching each day as Iran digs a vast tunnel network just south of the Natanz nuclear production site in what they believe is Tehran's biggest effort yet to, to, to construct new nuclear facilities so deep in the mountains that they can withstand bunker-busting bombs and cyber attacks. Um, it, it, you know, those, those who care about freedom 
Those who care about freedom, whether they're Israelis or not, are obviously doing what I just described earlier, taking care of things on the research side, the scientific side. But look at what the world's allowing Iran to get away with. I mean, with all the things we've been talking about, enrichment, weapons capability, how many months it takes before they actually will have a nuclear bomb, et cetera, et cetera. All those are really important. But this is a significant development and one where you could have video evidence of what's going on. And frankly, one where I would assume a military strike could take care of things, you know, relatively easily. No, a military strike could not take care of things relatively easily, unless they do it right now, because um, the infrastructure that they put in, and by the way, <laughs> when they replaced Natanz, they built a thing the size of two or three football fields, underground, crazy, hidden, and so you don't really know the full access, you don't have full access to it. They removed the cameras even from the existing facilities, so we, and we certainly have no cameras uh, on these. And by the way, they, they built it for drones. They built for other uh, uh, of their activities. Uh, they're building underground facilities because obviously Israel, the United States, and others have been following it and being able to um, impact those facilities till now. Then the underground um, aspirations and, and activities have been uh, long on the agenda, and they're implementing them very strongly. And, and you know that the technology that they used in, in um, on the Gaza border and in Lebanon, building whole underground tunnel networks, uh, virtual cities underground. And this is um, uh, going underneath mountains or inside, drilling inside the mountains. Our satellites must pick up a lot of this activity, but they do their best to conceal it. And it's a, it's another stage in, in for those who, you know, try to paint Iran's nuclear program as benign and now saying, you know, they're only weeks away. We, we know where they are. They, they've enriched to 60 percent, way beyond the amounts that, that they were allowed to. They, they have cut off IEA, International Atomic Energy Agency, access. They are uh, moving on the more advanced centrifuges and certainly on the on the there's supposed to be a launch of a, a satellite launch coming up in the next couple of days. They're moving on every front of, of a nuclear program and trying to block it from, uh, from visibility. They're continuing to send weapons into Iraq and to Syria. And, you know, the Israelis hit the airport in Syria and the Russians summoned the Israeli ambassador and, and complained about it yeah, because obviously yeah. Russia has planes near there to, uh, to take off from there also. Um, but the but it's an indication that the that Iran, despite the terrible economic conditions, the fact that more than half their population is starving and, and has no access to water and food, that the the demonstrations internally grow every week, and yet you hear nothing in the West about it. No New York Times reports. Nobody else talks about the fact that in two-thirds of the provinces of Iran, you have massive demonstrations against the government calling for Khamenei's death. I mean, very courageous things, but they get no resonance in the West at all. And it would be a unique opportunity to do something to make a change in Iran, not by having to send military troops, but support the people in the country who, who are putting their lives on the line and many paying with their lives for, for these at these demonstrations and stuff. So if Saudi Arabia says to Biden, to the president, Iran has to be stopped. What what's the reaction going to be? Is he going to pay lip service to it? Is he going to call? Is he going to call Jerusalem and and talk about how desperate this is to to you know to to stop the Iranians? 
I, I just if every single time, every week we speak, and every single time all they do is you know kick the can down the road. I don't know if a desperation from Saudi Arabia or anybody is going to have an effect on, on an American administration or those who we think are going to be responsible for stopping Iran. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I certainly want to see the hardest line position on Iran. Uh, you know, they still argue that if the deal was in place, we would be able to stop them. And it's only because the deal, when Trump uh, broke the deal, that uh, that a lot of these things happened. And it's not true. It was happening all along. Uh-huh. And the, the none of the, you know, development of the centrifuge and all that was ha- taking place while they were parties to the to the deal. And they are obviously now not coming, r- rushing to come back. And we see the Russians, by the way, playing a critical role in trying to block it and to, and I'm telling you from the inside that the Russians are, are um, uh, dissuading them from engaging in, in negotiations in Vienna and moving ahead because they stand to benefit. If, if there's no deal, the price of oil stays 125 and Russia continues to collect. And if there's a deal, they will export through and break the sanctions through Iran, which they're doing now anyway. So, uh, you know, we have to go back to the facts and see that the only thing that works with Iran is a strict policy where they, there's no there's no wiggle room. They can't turn to the Europeans and others because they'll be weak on this. It has to be solid policy that continues to add sanctions. Uh, I credit the administration that didn't back down on, on taking the uh, IRGC off the uh, foreign terrorist organizations, which was you know the, a fundamental demand by the Iranians. Uh, and uh, even uh, Mali, who was a big proponent of the deal and was leading the American negotiations, is acknowledging testimony to Congress that uh, the deal is uh, either lost or being lost in the process uh, of the of the last few weeks. I wonder if it's to the detriment of the free world that Israel is going to be going through this transition, whatever that transition is. You know, whether it's a detriment to Israel. Israel needs stability. It needs governments that can last. The average government lasts two and a half years. It's not enough. It it, it needs to have it, and then it undermines confidence in it. And everybody who reached out to Bennett or Bennett reached out to or Lapid doesn't know whether they're the people they can deal with, and. Um, it's um, it's not healthy for Israel. It's not healthy for anyone. Israel also has faces. It's going to is impacted by the economic conditions worldwide. Even though they seem to to be weathering the storm uh, better than others, but it's it needs a government that can plan. You can't you can't keep changing direction in in this kind of those and be frozen in other instances. Not to be able to bring important legislative initiatives because you, you you can't risk a no confidence vote or you won't be able to pass and and then you have a, a real problem and on top of that i wonder if israeli leaders just you know roll their eyes when they see a meeting between the u.s and saudi arabia on iran again thinking that you know nothing practical nothing concrete is going to come out of it in terms of action against iran i'd have to assume that that's you know that a lot of governments in that area are, are feeling that way. That it, it just seems that you know the the U.S. they're just spinning their wheels. You know, every time it's a, a new excuse or a, a new reason why they can't just get tougher on Iran. So that is the feeling of of many in the Arab world and elsewhere with whom I've spoken. I mean, there is skepticism. I do think, though, that people recognize that the visit to Saudi Arabia and the fact that the the breach between the two countries is being mended somewhat 
is very important. It, it does send a strong message to Iran because they exploit those differences. Uh, so does Russia, so does China, so do others, yeah. that if, if in fact we can heal some of the, um, the deep wounds that exist, uh, I don't know how they're going to handle the Khashoggi thing. I don't know how they handle some of the other issues. But it, it, that is very important in sending a message to, to Iran, and it bolsters the other countries in standing against them. Maduro leads Venezuela. What do you make of the Maduro visit to Iran? Well, he signed a 20-year agreement, and it's, it's and not new because uh, you know, Venezuela is increasingly a wholly owned subsidiary. Uh, what was interesting during that time is that while he was there, a Venezuelan plane uh, was seized by the government of Argentina, which is not considered the most friendly government, and they they're holding uh, the plane till now. It was uh, a Mansur airline, which is a Venezuelan government-owned airline, and the plane was bought from Mahan Air, which is a sanctioned Iranian uh, company a- airline, uh, under U.S. sanctions for a long time because they played a role in sending weapons to to Syria to other places. Anyway, the the um, I mean, it's very significant that they're holding the Iranians who were on board. There were 17 crew members on the plane. It stopped in Mexico. Had automotive parts, which don't seem to be significant. But the the um, uh, this seems to be the only plane that a mature airline has, and the only flight that it engages in. <laughs> and as you know, that there is a regular flight that goes Damascus, uh, Tehran, uh, Venezuela. And it's been resumed again over the last uh, months, and we know, and nobody checks it. It never goes through customs that we believe weapons and other things are being sent through that. Um, uh, I'm glad to see that the United States, that the original proposal, had been muted that uh, that we would buy uh, oil from Venezuela has uh, has died. I mean, we are sanctioning Venezuela for getting oil from Iran, and, and then we would talk about spending billions of dollars to buy it. I hope was was really never seriously considered, although obviously it wasn't the press and, and mentioned. So the Maduro visit doesn't really reflect a change, but it does reflect the reality in South America, where the situation continent-wide is becoming increasingly unbalanced for us, anti-American, anti-Israel, that pro-sympathetic governments, uh, pro-Western governments are being replaced by very hostile governments like in Chile, like in Costa Rica, uh, um, uh, Uru Bay in, in Colombia, elsewhere, and um, uh, you know it's it's not fighting Iran from eight thousand miles; it's fighting it from an hour off Florida's coast. Yeah, and the entire continent. It's a lot of countries. They have a lot of allies in a very important part of the world, as you just described. And we have very few allies remaining today in South America. That uh, Bolsonaro, who uh, again voted with, with Israel, uh, you know, condemned the the Commission of Inquiry in the UN. Uh, Brazil uh, was one of the 22 countries, uh, including the United States, a U.S.-led initiative, which we are grateful uh, to condemn the Commission of Inquiry, which is a one-sided, uh, horrendous. And I know people turn off when you mention the UN, but here is a body created with unlimited funding unlimited time, uh, right to investigate everything about Israel's history, Israel's right to exist. You will see the apartheid chain charges. You will see them going to the International Criminal Court because they've said that's what they're going to do. And the leader in Ivan Palais was an avowedly anti-Israel person. So are members of the commission, which is violation of UN rules uh, about who can run 
commissions of these kinds that they can't come in with bias and uh, et cetera. And the, the report itself is, I mean, I know uh, that people dismiss anything that comes that relates to the UN, but it's different. This has never been done against the country. They, the most cited source in the report they issued last week was the Goldstone report of oh. 2009. Oh, wow. and, and Goldstone himself disavowed it <laughs> in writing. It That's said, right. That's right. I he said, that. if I had known then what I know now, right. the report would have been a different document. Yet, yet they go back to that and use that as the basis. Um, <laughs> and and the they also want to discredit the designation of terror-linked uh, Palestinian NGOs. I mean, their whole array, you can read online some of the issues that, that have been encountered about uh, this commission of inquiry, which can be very dangerous. I'm telling you, don't people should not dismiss it, think it's unimportant. It become a vehicle with UN under UN auspices for even more intense than the existing commissions, Palestinian commissions, which get millions of dollars from the UN just to to do nothing but as a propaganda machine against Israel. Yeah, I hear that. Just more and more of a propaganda machine against Israel. By the way, how many times did we talk about the Goldstone Report? <laughs> you, you just took me back. <laughs> I, right. I, I mean, I can only imagine how many of these conversations included the word, word, word Goldstone for God knows how many months and years. Um, finally, Israel convicted Mohammed al-Halabi, uh, described as a Palestinian aid worker, on charges of uh, funding Hamas. How rock solid was the evidence in this case? It was very rock solid. He worked for World Vision. He's uh, he, he transferred money, and that is a violation. And the Israel was very sensitive, obviously recognizing that the, you know they, they will dump, dump on Israel from the human rights community because of of World Vision, rather than uh, examining the the real facts in this case. Israel did it very deliberately, and I think that the the results are um, are quite clear. Uh, you know, and you see that the Europeans and others who jump on it, they haven't jumped on the PA for their anti-Semitic textbooks. In fact, we see that some of the the uh, the um, EU Commission decided to unfreeze aid funds for the Palestinians. Uh, only Hungary voted against it, and they withheld like 250 million euros for the past six months because of the um, pa- Palestinian authorities. The failure to remove the the hostile content in in the textbooks. Yet you see that they reward them uh, no matter what, and they're fighting their own forces. Um, there was a big demonstrations in um, in uh, Naja University in the West Bank against the government, and uh, a lot of internal unrest. But it hardly gets any recognition about the the realities and the fact that you have a government that that has no legitimacy, but everybody just dismisses and said it's not important. What was important is the visit of the head of the EU coming to to Egypt and Israel, signing a very important deal. This natural gas deal is very critical. And it's now the first time that you have this kind of Europe-Israel energy cooperation and the uh, exploration that that will see Israel providing uh, uh, energy to to Europe, helping to replace the the um, disappearing Russian supplies, and uh, and the statements that uh, Van der Leyen made were really very um, very positive and much more than what we have heard in in the past. And maybe they'll resurrect the um, the pipeline between Israel and Cyprus and Greece. Maybe other things that um, you know will strengthen the ties within the region itself happy father's day malcolm to you too and to all the fathers out there and would-be fathers and 
and to all the mothers too. Yeah, to, make fathers, fathers. To, to, and, and by the way, as we said yesterday with Shirley Besser, all the grandparents and great grandparents, because this generation uh, needs needs the grandparents and great grandparents to. Uh, exactly, we put should that never out. forget. People should take, and this time now, when young people are so ignorant of the history, even the Shoah, and and we assume that young people know when we know that they don't. Maybe that will be a good thing on Father's Day for fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. Sit down with your grandchildren and just tell them the truth. Tell them the reality. Warn them. Give them the the signal. 100%. It's that we got to pass it on. It's an obligation. It's not It's not a, uh, an option. It's really an obligation. Amen. Phenomenal. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great job. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update right here at JM. And this time each and every Friday, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Beha'a According to the Chinuch, there are five mitzvos in Parshas Baaloscha, three positive and two restrictions. You have in Parshas Baaloscha the exciting preparation of Bnei Yisrael about to enter into Eretz Yisrael, whereby Moshe says to his father-in-law, and you can feel the excitement in the air, Moshe says, no sim anachnu, we are literally about to journey, about to travel, about to enter the promised land, and then, ouch, immediately thereafter come the two inverted nuns, which the Gemara in Shabbos, Daf Kuf Tes Vav 115a, tells us, Ein Zemukomo, that these are not the places of these two psukim, of Ahibin Soa and of Anucho Yomar. And not only that, whoa, says the Gemara, something fantastic, that in the future, not a single word of the Torah is going to change. However, the location of these two psukim is not going to be over here, which is its improper place, but rather it's going to be 50 paragraphs back. Not coincidental that the numerical value of the nun is 50, and 50 paragraphs back where the Torah is speaking about the traveling of the camp of Israel and the Oron is in the middle. That's where it's going to be its proper place. You have, and unfortunately, why are the two nuns there? To separate between what the Gemara calls Puronios and Puronios, between one sad event and the next sad event so that we should not become entrenched in negativity. Okay, I'd like to focus this morning on a very interesting point, namely the traveling of the Jewish people in the desert. And this is found in chapter 9, Pasuk 18, whereby the Torah says, Api Hashem Yisru Bnei Yisrael, 
Literally, it means, according to the word of Hashem, would the children of Israel journey, and according to the word of Hashem, would they encamp? Good. Namely, how would they know what is the word of God? The cloud, the Anan, which was over the camp, when the Anan ascended, they knew it was time to uh, move. And when the Anan descended, that's when they uh, set up the new camp. Now, think about it. The Torah tells us, and we're using Yaakov as your, quote, example, Yaakov leaves Beersheba, he knows from where he's leaving, and he knows where his destination is. And most often in our life, we think just that. We know where we're going, that we are, quote, unquote, in charge. Here we see very clearly, and the Torah gives several psukim, one after the other, in chapter 19, starting with uh, verse 18, going through 23. So the Torah gives several psukim to highlight a very important point. And I would like to share with you the Ramban on these psukim in showing us what the hardship and trial of the Nisoyon, the test of the Masoos, how they traveled. Namely, the Torah is telling us that if the cloud would linger upon the Mishkan for many days, and that place was not particularly Enjoyful was not complete, not particularly good in the eyes of B'nai Yisrael, and they wanted to journey on from that place. Nevertheless, they did not transgress the will of Hashem, and they stayed in their place, as the Torah says at the end of verse 19. Vishamru B'nai Yisrael. They would keep the charge of Hashem and they would not journey even though it was unpleasant. Okay? Now, let's move on. The Torah goes on to say, similarly, if the cloud would be upon the tabernacle for a number of days, meaning two days or three days, and the people were very weary and Hashem had weakened their strength on the journey so that they would have preferred to stay in the new location to rest. Nevertheless, they would do the will of God to continue journeying after the cloud and once again they would move on even though it was not to use that Yiddish word bakfemt. It wasn't comfortable for them. And this Psukim go on to tell us more that sometimes the cloud would remain over the Mishkan only from evening until the morning. And what does that mean? They would accordingly stay in one place for one night and then they would continue to journey in the morning. And even though that involved once again great 
exertion for them. Now, we're not just talking about mental exertion, that when you go and check in someplace, you have an idea how long you're planning to be at that location. Here, they had absolutely no idea how long they were going to be. Were they going to be there overnight? And they unpack only to have to repack in the morning? Were they going to stay there 19 years, as they did at Kodesh? Amazing. So the truth of the matter is that while we have later on in this parsha the test of the mun, that you went to bed every night literally with a cupboard empty, and I mean empty, and yes, we are a bunch of big shots. We know that it came down consistently for 40 years in the desert. But they didn't know that. And they went to sleep every night having to rely upon their bitachon, their faith in Hashem, that He would provide for them. So as they had the test of the man, so too they had the test of these masos in terms of their journeying, that it was very often a physical uh, exertion and even more so a mental exertion that they experienced as they traveled the 42 stops, as we're told in Parshas Masay, during their 40-year trek in the Midbar. I'd like to develop from this Alpi Hashem Yisu Alpi Hashem Yachanu two different ideas. The first one is the concept of location. Now, aside from real estate where location is your primary factor, let's see what the Torah is teaching us over here with Alpi Hashem Yisu and Alpi Hashem Yachanu. There is an interesting Gemara in Shabbos, Daf Lamid Aleph Amid Beis. And Rabbi teaches the following halacha regarding the uh, one of the 39 malachos, one of the 39 prohibitions of Shabbos, which is soser, to literally uh, undo, to take apart and what do we have? Taking apart, let's say, dismantling a home, a building, etc. So, so sir, one is chayav for undoing only if it is almanas on the condition livnos pimkomo. If only on the condition that I'm knocking down this house in order to build another one in its place. So then the so sir, the, the knocking down, <clears throat> the dismantling is clearly for a productive purpose, namely to build another house. However, if it is soser, almanas livnos shalobim como, if I'm taking down this structure on the condition of building it, rebuilding it someplace else, that's not the biblical prohibition of soser, of dismantling. It would be prohibited on a rabbinic level, but not on a biblical level. So this is Rav Yossi's teaching. Rabbah questions it 
and says, whoa, wait a minute, don't we know and have the principle, as taught later on in the Gemara Shabbos, that kol melachos, all 39 prohibitions of Shabbos, yalfinon luhu mimishkan, are learnt out and derived from the Mishkan, the sanctuary that traveled with them in the desert. Vahasam, and then, and there rather, when the Levim dismantled the Mishkan, it was Almanas, Livnos, it was on the condition of rebuilding it, but where? Shalobim Komohu, in a different place, wherever the Anan would take them. So we see that that's considered so sere, even though it was in a different place. Now listen to the Gemara's beautiful answer. Amalei. So he answered and he said, No, Shani Hasam, it's different over there in the Midbar, in this week's parsha. Kivon Siv, since it says in our verse, Alpi Hashem Yachanu, that it was in accordance with the directive of Hashem, did they travel? So wherever they went, it was kisoser amanas livnos bimkomodomi. It was like they were going to the same place because it was all God's location. God told them to put it here, and God told them to put it there, and the there and the here is all the same because it's all clearly where Hashem wants it. And where Hashem wants it, that is all. I'm always in God's presence. We find in the Gemara, this could be understood by the Mesifta on this daf, brings the uh, insight of the teachings of the late Rav Naftali Trupp, and he says to what may be compared to a baby who's in its mother's arms. And even though the mother might go from location A to location B, the baby is always in the same place, namely the mother's arms. Similarly, when we went in the Mishkan and traveled with it from A to B, we were always in Hashem's place. There's a very powerful lesson, and that is, wherever we are, we're to look upon it as if we are in Hashem's location. We're in Hashem's place. We're there to do the role that Hashem wants us to do in that place at that time. So we are all constantly filling out forms, and after your name, they ask for your address, your ksovet. And I'm telling you right now, what's your ksovet? Yuktovet is one Hashem plaza, meaning wherever Hashem wants me to be, that's where I am, that's where I have a job to do. A very interesting idea, number one. Number two, the Shalah learns from this puzzle. While it might not be the literal translation, a beautiful idea, and that is as follows. Says the Shalah that there's a strong teaching coming out that Alpi Hashem literally by having God's name in your mouth that whatever you're going to do I'll see you tomorrow Hashem. I'm going to uh, be there Be'ezras Hashem use God's name in your speech on a regular basis and it's going to enhance not only your speech but your cognizance and your recognition of 
your purpose and mission in this life. What do we find regarding Yosef HaTzadik? Back in Vayeshev, chapter 39, uh, Pasuk 3, Vayar Adonav, Yosef's master saw that Hashem Ito, the God, was with him. How did the master see? How does Potiphar notice that God is with Yosef? Says Rashi, Shem Shomayim Shogur Bifiv. The name of heaven was constantly in Yosef's mouth. Yosef said, Please God, thank you, Hashem. He constantly evoked the name Hashem. And that's the privilege that we have as well, based upon this Pasuk, Api Hashem Yachanu, Api Hashem Isau. May we be privileged to consecrate Hashem's name. And in our daily speech, when we speak to customers, when we speak to clients, when we speak to our children, by bringing in Shem Hashem, you are enhancing consciously, subconsciously, their Yerashamayim. And so, don't tell me that the Masos of B'nai Yisrael were over 3,000 years ago and therefore irrelevant today. They are just as relevant today to giving us that closer, privileged connection with Hashem. Shabbat Shalom to all. In the candle's light Entranced by the brilliant glare A young boy pondered and stared He dreamed of a world of Kiddusha Where Shabbos is kept
the whole world is waiting to sing the song of Shabbos. The whole world is waiting to sing the song of Shabbos. The flowers and the trees sing the song of Shabbos. The valley and the mountains sing the song of Shabbos. And I am also waiting to sing the song of Shabbos. I am also waiting to sing the song of the Shabbos. And I am also waiting to sing the song of Shabbos. I am also waiting to sing the song of Shabbos. Let's stop. And sing the song of Shabbos Let's love one another And sing the song of the Shabbos Come dance on the streets And sing the song of Shabbos Let's all join First time never there Strapped into his knapsack With his long and curly hair Stood there for a while Broke out with a smile Emotion, overwhelming joy With tears The men were dancing there Their hearts so full of love They sang such happy tunes to thank the one above For showing them the way For giving them a day To rest, rejoice With peace of mind To pray Sunsets over the clouds As the world stands so still Not a sound But listen carefully You can hear the whispering Announcing the arrival 
of the Shabbos clean. The candles reflecting the joy on the faces of every girl and boy. Mother prays there silently. Children sing as the Shekhinah descends to fill the world with peace. Suddenly from the dark comes my Shabbos, my spark, and it's holiness lights up my soul. It's a treasure that makes me feel whole, and my spirit's sore, cause my heart feels at home. It's the time God made and my Neshama And as long as Klal Yisrael keeps the Shabbos Very soon Hashem will also keep His promise And on that day His candles cast their glow We'll be on our way back is going away The sky's getting dark It's the end of the day Oh Shabbos You really should know We're sorry to see you go But you will come back next week Job is back again. But you will come back next week. We know you will come back, for we love you so. So let us thank Hashem, who will bring Shabbos back. J.M. and the A.M., great comprehensive uh, Shabbos medley, to say the least, right? I would uh, I would agree. <laughs> Baruch Levine, that is one great Shabbos medley here at J.M. in the A.M. 
Uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candlelighting time at 8.09 in New York. Uh, a lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And, of course, things start earlier around the around the globe. Not earlier, at different times around the globe. <laughs> so make sure you know when things start where you are. Get ready for our amazing programming all through the day, including Mark Zamek and the presentation by Kedem of the Erev Shabbos show. Starts at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem all day long. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Lezer's Wickler. And Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday, starting live at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday morning. So there's a lot going on, to say the least. And uh, we highly recommend you keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Um, that's right. Just feel free to comment on the app at any time. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, Father's Day being observed in this country on Sunday. So again, happy Father's Day from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, this is one of the brand new ones from uh, Duvadil at JM in the AM. Just minutes approaching, soon will come the Shabbos, a long busy week. Will soon come to a close You rush to put on All those finishing touches As the spirit of peace Descends on your home Shalom Aleichem Aleichem the candles are lit and the table's been set. The smells of the Shabbos envelop your home. You come back from shore. As you open the door, you're welcomed with greetings of Shabbat Shalom. Time to depart from this holy abode 
thankful next week that this all will come back as you call out a mavdil kodesh JMM brand new from Duvidil. It's called Malache HaShalom here at JMM. We'll dedicate that to our Surly Besser, Yisrael Besser, for the brand new book about Shabbos that we spoke about yesterday. It's a pretty amazing collection. Those of you who don't have it yet, go to artscroll.com. It's called Exalted Moments. Exalted Moments. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio for your discount and for your free shipping. Again, Exalted Moments. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. Uh, also, I want to thank Rabbi Benji Kramer. He, um, he on Monday night, um, uh, presented a beautiful Sefer Yoshua Shear in memory of Mayor Weingarten. And, um, and I want to thank him. I'm told by Avrami that a recording of that Shear is going to be included in today's newsletter. So if you get the daily thread, you'll see it in today's daily thread. If you don't get it, just write to Avrami. AF at NahumSiegel.com. Again, that's AF at NahumSiegel.com. And um, you'll be able to, to see and hear the um, shear that Rabbi Kramer gave earlier in the week in memory of Mayer. Also, I was told that, um, uh, and I wish I could remember now where, where I saw this. I think it may have been a text. Give me a second. Um, oh boy, this is going to drive me crazy. Someone wrote to me last night about the, about the special, um, a Torah study that was done in the, in memory of mayor at their specific location right now, it just slips my mind, but, uh, I guess next week I'll take the opportunity to, uh, to thank them appropriately. Oh, it was Rabbi Snow. Rabbi Snow wrote to me yesterday. So glad I remembered this. Um, let me see here. Let me just get this up here for a minute. Rabbi Moshe Snow wrote to me yesterday, Dear Nachum, just last week, the young Israel Bethel of Borough Park completed a year's worth of learning Mishnayis between Mincha and Mariv in memory of, of our Chaver and longtime friend, Rabbi Mayor Weingarten Zal. May we share and speak of Simcha. Rabbi Snow, thank you so much for letting us know about that. How beautiful. Young Israel Bethel of Borough Park, a year's worth of Mishnayis in memory of Mayor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Means a tremendous amount, believe you me, to all of his friends and to everybody who knew Mayor. Time to say good job is with Journeys at JM in the AM.
The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And of course, any beloved NSN app. 
Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody, and thanks for tuning in, especially this morning on a Friday of Shabbos. Much appreciated. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. 809 is candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know where candle lighting is when uh, where you are. And uh, don't forget to go to artscroll.com. The brand new book by uh, Yisrael Bester is a great one. When you go there, make sure to use promo code RADIO. Uh, tune into all of our great programming. Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbos Show at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Kedem presents the Arab Shabbos Music Mix all day long. Avrami with uh, Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night with Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. And on Sunday, it's Matis and JM Sunday live at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.